Welcome to Friday Friends, R.I. Elder Info's weekly look at the organizations and individuals providing resources for Rhode Island seniors, caregivers, and professionals. everybody. It is 9 a.m. on Friday and you are joining me here on social media or via our podcast. And that means you know what is about to happen. It is time for Friday Friends with me, Deb Burton, your host and executive director of RI Elder Info and creator of rielderinfo.com, where every week we come on here and we talk to different organizations and individuals who are doing some really cool stuff that you need to know about. So I encourage you to hit the like button, the share button, the bell, the whistle, all those things that social media has that lets people know, hey, you got to check this out. It's really important to help get the word out. And today we're talking with a guest that is working really hard to make sure all of our voices are being heard. But as you know, we are a nonprofit and we cannot do this without the support of our sponsors. So huge shout out to Oak Street Health. They are a primary care provider for individuals who receive medic who have Medicare insurance. They're located in Warwick by the Stop and Shop uh, store on Bald Hill Road. They have another office on Broad Street in Providence, Branch Ave in Providence, and another in Woonsocket. I encourage you to check them out. They even provide transportation. Uh, big shout out to United Healthcare. They are a Medicare insurance company. Jennifer Barrows over there can answer pretty much any question you might have. She does not have the winning lottery ticket numbers though. And she's good people. So I encourage you to reach out to Jennifer. Also, thank you to Tamarisk Assisted Living. It's a homey assisted living facility right over by the Warwick Mall, easy on, easy off the highway, where they really take care of your loved ones like their own. It's a great place to work, so I encourage you to check it out. You've got happy staff taking care of, of your loved ones just like their own. It's a good match. Also, the magic that you're seeing here today is not the magic behind the screens done by me. No, that's the magic of 321 Media and Ben Barber. So if you're looking for streaming services and all kinds of different marketing, I encourage you to reach out to 321 Media. And if you've checked out rielderinfo.com, you have checked out rielderinfo.com, right? Yeah, yeah. If not, do it as soon as we're done here today. That is through the magic of England Studio. They are an award-winning web design and marketing team. They are located right over in Quonset. They can serve you worldwide, design a website that is easy to use, um, friendly for anyone who may have disabilities or speak other languages. Dave and Sal over there are real magicians when it comes to web design. So I encourage you to check out our sponsors. We couldn't do this without them, really. Um, so. I want to start off today by saying when we first started Friday Friends, my buddy Bill Flynn over at the Senior Agenda Coalition was our very first guest. And we usually bring him on every year on our anniversary, but Bill has retired. So good for Bill. And so I didn't want to wait to our first, uh, to our third anniversary of Friday Friends to bring up Bernie Boudreaux from Senior Agenda Coalition, the new executive director. Hi, Bernie. Hi, Deb. How are you? I'm great. It's Friday. It means, yeah. you know, the weekend. 
Absolutely. So I was just saying, you know, Bill was the, the executive director and he's retired. So you are the new executive director of Senior Agenda Coalition. Can you share with folks what is Senior Agenda Coalition in case they've missed my interviews with Bill? That way they'll know what Senior Agenda Coalition is. Sure. Um, Senior Agenda Coalition of Rhode Island uh, had its beginnings um, as the Rhode Island Great Panthers. And uh, people may be familiar with the Great Panther uh, organization, uh, Maggie Kuhn, and, um, you know, basically seniors being active uh, politically and being organized to, um, to be their own advocates and really to kind of raise their voices around public policy issues, but even, you know, um, issues having to do with the way businesses treat seniors and, you know, just a whole host of things, fighting ageism, uh, fighting, you know, structural discrimination against older people and really advocating for the needs of our aging population. So um, in about 2008, uh, Senior Agenda Coalition got organized as a 501c3 and uh, Bill Flynn uh, ran that organization for 14 years until handing the baton to me on March 1st of this year. And, um, you know, the, the strength of the organization is really the people that uh, participate particularly around policy work. Uh, we have an annual conference and this year it'll be in October uh, where we try to bring in some keynote speakers to inspire and then really have a lot of people participating. Um, so that's that's what we do. I'm a staff of one. <laughs> and if we can raise some money, like a lot of small nonprofits wish they can and hope they can, uh, we'll, we'll add a staff or two to kind of help organized really for a growing population of, of seniors in our state that are going to be one in four very soon. The Rhode Islanders are going to be in that 65 plus age group. And, you know, we got a life, a lot of life to live after 65 and a lot of uh, things to take care of in our state. Um, seniors as, as activists and doers and not passive recipients, right? So anyway, we'll get into that. <laughs> I'm excited to to share the the stuff that Senior Agenda Coalition is doing because just breaking that narrative that is so often um, presented in the media and sometimes by people that would surprise you where it's you know everybody over the age of sixty or sixty five is. A poor, helpless, elderly, they're so frail and they need all of our help. And it's usually said with that high squeaky voice. And yet, to me, I think of individuals who have a lot of days on this earth, but they're out doing stuff. They're, some are still at the state house. Some are in Washington, D.C. They're my friends. They're my neighbors. And no doubt there are individuals who do require help as we age, but the vast majority are not so poor, frail, elderly. They're vibrant individuals. And I think, you know, changing that narrative is so important. What are some of the goals that Senior Agenda Coalition has for 2022 and 2023, especially this is an election year? Well, um, short term, you know, um, you know, presently, uh, there are a number of bills in the legislature that are being considered right now, uh, many of which address uh, this critical issue of a uh, long-term care. 
And, and you know, um, there's something like 600 people on a waiting list, um, seniors, for home care. And people have read about it. It's really true that uh, because of the economy and the way it has been in terms of uh, a very tight labor market um, and because of COVID, um, our workforce for care has been uh, diminished and undervalued over time, but the undervaluing of home care workers, nursing assistants, CNAs um, <clears throat> is really being brought into bright light right now because those low wages can't compete even with retail jobs. You know, McDonald's, Burger King, you make more money doing that than you would caring for our loved ones, you know. So there's a real values question here that we're trying to raise as well. It's like, is that what we value the care of our of our aging elderly? Uh, and, and in fact, yes, frail elderly or, you know, uh, folks that are basically needing uh, long-term care. <clears throat> so we're trying to get very active about that. We've been testifying a lot in the state house. There are bills that sort of like compete with each other a little bit, but overall, we have a call to action out to everyone to get in touch with your your state rep and senator and let them know how important these issues are. Uh, there are a lot of mechanisms to address it, you know, in terms of federal money, state money, in policy, but they have to figure it out and get it done. You know, we have a new director of uh, Office of Healthy Aging, Maria Samini. Uh, which is very bright. She's she not as a temporary person. She's a permanent new director. So we have a lot of hope in <clears throat> having a really good government on the other side of the phone, on the end of the phone to uh, to be able to respond to the needs. So we're doing that. Uh, we do have a strategic plan that we have to dust off and we want to kind of revise that. But it's looking at, in general, uh, what can we do to provide supports for aging, older Rhode Islanders, uh, to be able to live well with dignity and safety and, and support at home as long as they can. And, of course, that's a moving target. At home in a three-decker house where most of the house is empty, doesn't work anymore, so people have to downsize. People need housing options, affordable housing options, so that's huge. And, yes, nursing home care is very important for a segment of the population. Both my parents needed nursing care in the last uh, 20 years as they passed in, uh, you know, you want to make sure that's a very robust, very well supported system as well. But so anyway, those that's, that's, you know, mostly what we're about right now. I think later on, I'd like to kind of really work with others to say, you know, this vibrant part of our population can be tapped for lots of resource. Now, I used to run the volunteer center for Rhode Island and the serve Rhode Island. And um, we were promoting this idea that, you know, retired older folks have a lot of talent. They have wisdom. I'd like to think I'm getting wiser as I get older, but sometimes I think I'm not. But anyway, <laughs> there is the wisdom of age, right? <laughs> or some parts of that. And, you know, we need to get creative and, and figure ways to tap into that resource of, of wisdom and experience, right? For um, the arrogance of youth sometimes, I'm guilty of that. Um, kind of denies that uh, people have lived this before and they might have some helpful advice. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely true. You know, <clears throat> Senior Agenda Coalition really was instrumental in 
getting the legislation pushed through to raise the bar on staffing uh, in long-term care to have minimum required number of staff on duty. Oh, I'm sorry, not necessarily minimum number of staff, minimum number of hours that people actually receive care on average in long-term care. And I know that kind of got, you know, put on pause due to the COVID pandemic and the workforce shortage, but it was still a huge win because I think people didn't realize that there hadn't been um, a minimum amount of care that people in long-term care uh, would receive. Uh, everybody just kind of figures, yeah, of course, you're going to have hours of care in long-term care, but that hadn't been the case. And now Senior Agenda Coalition was able to get that through. Um, you know, that pay inequity was something that, you know, I think people really need to take a look at on a big picture. There are many home health aides and certified nursing assistants and facilities <clears throat> that are making, you know, not far from minimum wage. You know, there, there's this thought that, oh, they, you know, they're making 20 something an hour. They're not, you know, maybe, 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 and that's capital letters, maybe $15 an hour, which $15 an hour, even 40 hours a week, that translates to roughly $30,000 before taxes. And that's not even really going to help you afford an apartment, a little apartment. <laughs> so I think, you know, that's one of those issues that, that you guys are bringing up strong. Um, what are some of the other legislation that is out there that Senior Agenda Coalition would like some feedback on or support with? Yes. Um, the accessible dwelling unit bill is really um, legislation that would prohibit cities and towns from having uh, restrictions against like what they call uh, in-law apartments added onto a house. So if you have a, a one family house, the idea is that you should be able to add on an apartment or some rooms, you know, architecturally sound and all that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, meeting building code and all that kind of thing uh, to be able to accommodate um, an older relative or maybe not relative, maybe just an older person that needs a smaller downsized place. There's potentially thousands of housing units that could be created with that, that innovation. So it's the accessible dwelling unit bill. I don't have the number in my head, um, but it would prohibit towns from restricting that. And, uh, and that would open up, uh, you know, really a free market opportunity to, to, for families to take care of the elders and or, you know, community minded people to kind of provide an apartment, you know, for someone who needs, you know, basically, the basics they don't need a lot of uh, you know space and uh, so that that's one um, and and that accessory dwelling unit the yeah. the rules on that that isn't something that would enable people to say convert a garage and make it an airbnb and have more airbnbs it's actually for for people to live there full time like not vacation Right. You know, I'm not that familiar with the details of the bill, but I think there are some provisions that keep the intent, you know, perfect uh, as opposed to make it a kind of a you know, Airbnb type situation, which, you know, 
I'm, I have nothing against. I think. Right. No, me neither. But they're, they're needed. Um, yeah. But the idea is, you want to create housing units for old, older folks that need downsized units. Uh, the other bill, um, as you said, that we're supporting, which probably not won't get passed this year, but we're hoping will build for next year, is really investing in, you know, the state's department of elderly affairs or which it's called now the office of healthy healthy aging and as you know deb that um you know 20 30 years ago 1995 or in the early 90s there was something called the department of elderly affairs and maureen magret as we, our friend mm -hmm. um will tell you that she and she was running it she had 65 staff now arguably the population to be served 30 years ago, it was about 30 or 40,000 fewer people than now. So now we have the Office of Healthy Aging, which is not its own department, um, have 31 staff. So something wrong with that picture. And technology has been helpful, but we're all familiar with the, with the madness of trying to get through on an <laughs> automated machines. And, <laughs> you know, uh, we're very busy right now. Stay on the hold. Well, that hold is like on average 90 minutes. If you Oof. call the Medicaid office, it's like, and I was at a recent hearing in, in the state house uh, where the Department of uh, Human Services, um, while apologetic, were happy that they've been able to reduce the waiting time down to nine, down to ninety minutes. I said, "Oh my God, you know, people would spend a half a day waiting for an answer, and then probably yeah. uh, get frustrated because they didn't have the information they needed for them to, you know, whatever." Like going. To, getting your car um, registered, you know, you've had that experience. <laughs> so, um, but, um, you know, and in general, you know, uh, I think state government and human services, you know, they're anemic. You know, they're not fun. They need staffing. This is a people business, you know. You know, you, you need to, you know, my, my mom, your mom, I, you know, if they need help and they can't get us, and they call the state. We want someone there to talk to them. We don't want them to be going through this madness, especially if you know technology for some of us is some is daunting. You know, it's sort of like push one now. You know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I was just push zero and hope that an operator. Well, they've gotten smart to that and say zero just puts you out of space. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, and that bill that you're referring to, I believe that's House seventy six sixteen to mm -hmm. move the Office of Healthy Aging to its own, um, its own true entity. Because you're right, yeah. it is unfortunately at a time when we need more people in an office of healthy aging or in an office of elderly affairs. Mm -hmm. That office is shrinking, and I think one of the one of the things that breaks my heart is we saw this pandemic pandemic just absolutely ravage our older adults, mm -hmm. and it has definitely brought to light the deficits in the system. Um, and maybe if there's good to have come out of the pandemic, it has made us all aware of what we want for ourselves as we age and what our loved ones want mm -hmm. as they age. And we've started a little bit to engage in those conversations. Um, now, does Senior Agenda Coalition, do you have um, 
the ability to get input in input from the community? Do you go out and meet with folks in the high rises or in community centers or senior centers? Do you get to, to talk to the, what I, what I always call the feet in the street, the real people out there? Yeah, that's the time consuming piece, you know, right? That's what you need to have. <clears throat> you have to budget that time in it. If I'm a staff of one, uh, I've been going around, for example, to the um, senior centers, you know, uh, because they are a base of support for us <clears throat> in terms of people and participation, mm -hmm. you know, and that's been very important. I want to meet the people who are running these centers, get their you know, their viewpoint on what's needed, what's important. And uh, I was on the phone for a half hour yesterday with a man who's 90, who was asking me, you know, why can't, uh, why can't spouses be eligible for the personal care assistant funding? Um, other family members can be, but spouses are excluded for some reason. And um, he made a very compelling point, and he can't get an answer. He's been trying to get an answer from somebody. And apparently there are a few other states uh, that actually <clears throat> do allow spouses to be the paid personal assistant or the home uh, home assistant to to their loved one. And I'm sure there's a, you know, there's a lot of reasoning behind that, but we need to have that conversation. But uh, I started using the technology to do these um, online meetings. We've had uh, about 25 people to participate in the last month um, in this kind of a format with just eight people. And uh, <clears throat> we use a uh, kind of a method where people share a story about aging in the community and then <clears throat> issues come out of that conversation. Um, but uh, my plan is to get around the state, have in-person meetings, um, South County, Wesley, Wakefield, Woonsocket, you know, Newport. Um, it's We have a tiny state, so we should be able to do that, right? Wait, you're and, going uh, from Westerly to Woonsocket? You're a wild man. <laughs> well, I say overnight in Providence. So, oh, okay. You know, I pack a bag. <laughs> you but, have to have um, snacks in the car, too. <laughs> <laughs> lots of snacks. Lots of snacks. Um, I'd like to have like an in, in car coffee machine, you know, so you can just. Oh, that'd be there. nice. Um, but um, yeah, people have missed that terribly in terms of the pandemic and to me you know so the break the isolation that people feel you know um we got to be careful about it because we're not out of the woods right on the pandemic but right um uh, so i want to do more of that but you're you're right that's where we get our authority i mean that's where we get information we don't talk to people what are we talking about you know Absolutely. we can talk about a lot of studies and research and all that but it's a little bit antiseptic you know it's sort of it's it doesn't have a heartbeat, you know, so anyway. Exactly. So what other goals does Senior Agenda Coalition have? Will you be having any kind of conversation with uh, the candidates running for governor or anything along those lines going forward? I mean, as an election year, it's, I don't know if I want to say funny or sad that all of a sudden the candidates show up at the senior centers, uh, they buy the pasta dinners, and you know, vote for me, vote for me. And as soon as election is done, they disappear like ghosts until the next one. Um, <clears throat> well, that's the, and you know, people are aware of that dance, you know. And uh, what we want to do is have them do that in in 
a large format in August. We're organizing a governor's uh, a gubernatorial candidates forum, and uh, we're inviting others like your organization and, and other nonprofits and uh, people interested to be there with us. Uh, and we want to get the six candidates to talk about, speak to, you know, these questions of our aging population. So, so what comes to mind in terms of long-term care? What comes to mind in terms of housing? What comes to mind in terms of opportunity uh, for engagement, support of the, yes, the senior centers. They are a base of uh, program delivery that is often overlooked. They were very instrumental during the COVID vaccination clinics and you know, tremendous resource there. And um, Absolutely. And yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize how incredibly important the senior centers became during the pandemic. Um, right. Yeah. Um, and I and just yeah. wanted to, one of, one of our, our good friends and strong advocate is watching. Good morning, Vin. Mr. Marzullo. Yes. <laughs> Vincent. <clears throat> yes. Vin, I'm very proud to say is our latest, uh, one of our latest new board members. He's joined the board of senior agenda coalition and Vin awesome. and I go way back. Um, you know, 30 or 40 years anyway, but more recently we were involved with national service here in the state office mm -hmm. for uh, uh, the national service and I ran the um, AmeriCorps program. But it's, it's interesting, you know, when you, when you started speaking, one of the things that you brought up is this entirely untapped spring of older adults who have the ability and knowledge to become volunteers. Is that something that Senior Agenda Coalition is looking at doing, recreating uh, a volunteer type program to be able to reach people? Um, because there's there's a, in my opinion, there's a, a large need coming forward uh, across the age spectrum. And it's not something that paid staff are going to be able to meet in its entirety. So we have to get connected with the community-based organizations, um, you know, our faith-based communities to volunteer to help one another. Like there, there's, there's not going to be another way to do it effectively mm -hmm. if we don't volunteer. So is gathering and creating a volunteer program senior agenda coalition is doing or are you partnering with other organizations to do that no i think it's very important and um you know vin is going to help guide this as a board member as well um you know the united way has volunteer center um janice the, over the janice pathy pack is uh is managing that and she and i we're working as uh, when we ran the volunteer center when it was at Serve Rhode Island. It's a, you know, again, if you want to engage people <clears throat> and, you know, plug people into opportunity, you need a mechanism. You do need, you know, you need a central staff to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's resources. But once you have that, you can answer someone's call uh, who wants to volunteer. You can interview them. You can find out what, when you're available, what do you want to do? And then you can answer the call from an organization that says, I need someone that'll do this. And I need someone who doesn't need a lot of guidance. You know, that's typically right. I want someone yep. to write my grant proposals for me. Well, 
Okay, well, good luck on that one. But, um, Guilty of having just asked a volunteer to do that. <laughs> and, you know, you'll get a grant proposal or two out of a volunteer, and they'll feel good about it, but you might not get them to work 40 hours a week. But uh, it's that there's infrastructure that's needed for this. And I think um, cause we, because we know, and Vin's a great example uh, as a volunteer, um, he he does a lot of work with this with a hospital, has a hospital, and, uh, just sort of um, you know entertaining the kids and, and I think the staff and, and just doing doing some great work there. Um, there are roles for people. People need to be needed, um, but it, they can't be left to themselves to figure out how do I plug in. Because That's true. We're not generally we're not receptive to the volunteer, you know. You know, it's, it's a management question, a supervision question, right? Yep. So we have to, organizations, nonprofits have to, you know, open themselves up to engaging volunteers, be able to supervise, organize work, and then they'll get the benefit. And then they'll get the benefit. So that's in my plans for sure. Not in my first two months, but um, I really hope that um, once the legislative session's over and the workload goes down a little bit, I'm going to start developing some regular volunteers. <clears throat> so, Bernie, is the Senior Agenda Coalition, are you a nonprofit? Yes, we are a nonprofit. And okay. believe me, there's no profit in what we do. <laughs> the profit uh, no. goes to the communities that we serve, right? That's that doesn't benefit. go in our pockets. No, that's the benefit. <laughs> and um, we are very blessed to get um, uh, a couple of grants. Uh, Rhode Island Foundation has been very helpful. And Point thirty-two, uh, which is what they call the Tufts uh, fund, funding, uh, they've been very helpful to give uh, uh, collaborative grants with the Rhode Island Organizing Project and the uh, Economic uh, Progress Institute, um, and um, so that's been good. And we have smaller donations from a few hundred uh, people out there, and um, you know we hope to build that base because all of this work needs. Uh, funding. You know, one one theme in our strategic plan that was really important was, in, in fact, information. So when I discovered your organization, I thought, you know, that's right on the money. Just the name of it uh, is key. And that's the thing we hear more often than not. I can't get information. I have a question. I have a need. And I don't know who to call. You know, and I think that's a tall order. I mean, to be able to be that for people, because we know there's the point, there's 211, there's DHS, there's OHS, there's OHA, and there's this, that, and the other thing. But but can you get the answer you need? You know? Right. And that, and that was the impetus uh, for founding RI Elder Info and creating mm -hmm. rielderinfo.com is that, you know, I was part of the Long-Term Care Coordinating Council's Aging and Community Subcommittee um, when it first got started. And we looked at what are the resources around the state for our older adults. And Rhode Island has a lot in comparison to other states. Uh, we looked at what are we going to need? We're going to need more resources uh, mm -hmm. as our population ages. Rhode Island has one of the largest older populations in the country. Mm -hmm. um, and then how is that information being communicated? And, you know, what the subcommittee found is not well. Uh, fast forward, and I was really seeing the effects uh, firsthand of people not being able to find the information they needed. 
and ending up in long-term care when they didn't need to be there. So Mm -hmm. I went to England studio with a flash drive with about a hundred pages of information and asked them to build a website. And they did, um, had it externally validated for ease of use and ease of navigation. Um, it's won a bunch of awards and we took it nonprofit in 2019 so that we can just be dedicated to maintaining up-to-date information, which is really important because if you're calling in and you're giving information that is no longer valid, you know, I feel like the worst thing you can do is waste somebody's time and send them off on a goose chase. You know, if you are an older adult and you have questions, you need the answers now, not, Mm -hmm. you know, well, maybe this, maybe that, or if you're a caregiver, you already have a lot on your plate. So, you know, wasting your time and giving you wrong information, outdated information, it's not acceptable. So that's, that's where our elder info lies is like, let's, let's get people connected to what's out there and let, let's, you know, not feed the narrative of helplessness among our older adults. Like here's the information. You're a grown up. You get to decide what you do with Mm -hmm. that. Um, So yeah, I a hundred percent hear what you're saying out there. So if people want to support senior agenda coalition, what should they do? Should they send in a check? Should they come to the events? Should they come volunteer? All of the above? What works for you guys? Well, what really what works uh, right now are two things. Um, if you are a lucky recipient of our one of our call to action emails, please take action. Um, we have about 900 emails uh, on our list. We send out a constant contact try to do a monthly update on all issues. This week, we sent out a a couple of calls to action. And, um, you know, it was about almost 40% open rate, which is great. Um, But we don't know of the 40% how many actually took the time to call or write to their state rep, you know. And, you know, that's our mission is to try to affect change to organize support. So that would be the first and the best way to support Senior Gender Coalition is take take action, you know, and, and uh, or learn enough for yourself so that you know exactly how to act. Uh, and then, of course, the check. <laughs> we, we're a nonprofit. We're very low. Our budget's about $120,000. And uh, so we're very small in that regard. Um, and that... You know, that pays for everything, rent, copying, and technology, and, you know, a small salary. But um, I'm not complaining. But I think there's much more we could do if we had more people power. Everybody needs that. Because we want to be in touch with people at the grassroots, and we want to grow the movement. So it's not just 900 people that we have on our mailing list, but 9,000. You know, it could grow, you know. So that's, that's, that's it, yeah. That is awesome. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that you were able to come on today and share what Senior Agenda Coalition is is doing and what the goals are going forward. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for the opportunity. Yes. So everybody, the Senior Agenda Coalition really does want to hear from you. It is so important that we raise our voices to improve what our systems are right now for our older adults. And if you think about, if you think, if you're thinking about it as like a, well, I'm not an older adult yet, 
you will be. So the work that you can do now is something that's going to improve your own life going forward. So you want to think about that and reach out to the Senior Agenda Coalition, sign up for their newsletter. I promise they don't sell it. They don't spam it. They don't like send you silliness, like real calls to action, real actionable steps, because sometimes we might not know, like maybe you've never called your legislature, like they can help you with that. And it it's our voices that matter. It's us, the what I refer to as the feet in the street that make a difference. So I encourage you to reach out to Bernie over at Senior Agenda Coalition. If you want to put together a group of people and come out to the legislative hearing at the Crown Plaza, you know, that's that would be awesome. So I look forward to seeing you all again next week for the next episode of Friday Friends. In the meantime, check out Calling All Veterans Day. June 18th. It's coming up. It's going to be an amazing resource event. It's being held live and live streamed. It's going to be great. So in the meantime, I look forward to seeing you all next week and be well and be kind. If you like this video, please follow us on social media and subscribe on YouTube. For more information, visit rielderinfo.com or call 401-585-0509. If you have any questions, email deb at rielderinfo.com.